Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for this your day and thank you for your blessing in Jesus Christ that we can come together as your people to worship you. And uh, the, in Sunday school, we also have the privilege of uh, knowing ourselves better so we can know you uh, better. Please help us to um, see you and to be uh, entrapped by your goodness and your mercy and your holiness. And in that way, we may uh, follow you as you have uh, given us Jesus Christ and uh, your Holy Spirit so we can imitate you. We pray all of these things, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, all right. So this morning, we have um, the third deadly sin, which is sloth and uh, the beatitude, hunger for, hunger for righteousness. Um, I was about to say something and I forgot. Um, so remember that if, if we talked last time about two, two weeks ago, pride, and last week you guys talked about, what was it? Envy. Yeah, and now sloth. Um, what, what is good? I want, I want to leave that clear. What is good? How do you know that something is good? What's the standard? Say that again. Taste. <laughs> if it tastes good, then it's good. Like there are some big, fat, thick worms in the Amazonic region in Ecuador. They say they taste really good. <laughs> I don't know. I will never do it. <laughs> I think we should save it for them. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, what, what's the standard? How do we know what is good? You know, that's that's word. That, that, yeah, God's word and His laws, more specifically, right? The Ten Commandments and everything that God has commanded to us in the Scriptures. That's what is good. Remember what happens in Eden. Again, we are going to Eden all the time because it's foundational for everything that we are today. Uh, God said, "Do not eat of this tree. Is the tree evil?" No, the tree is good. And they needed to, the only reason God um, didn't allow them to eat from that tree is because he didn't want them to eat of the tree. That's it. That's all of it. And so the people in Eden, Adam and Eve, needed to stay away just because God had said so. Um, and the disobedience is that desire of, of me deciding what is good. Not what God says, but what I say. And so every deviation, every sin becomes something that goes, that goes against what God has said. If God says, uh, you know, the Ten Commandments are good, then uh, we cannot say they are evil. That's, that's what I'm trying to say. Why am I saying that? Because sloth is one of those uh, very misunderstood sins. Uh, we, we tend to think that sloth is or equals laziness. And so all of us, will, we will say we are not lazy, so we are good. We have passed the test. We don't suffer of this uh, sin. Well, we are going to see how slothfulness is more than just laziness. Laziness is one of those ramifications of sloth. But sloth is actually more than that. It's a deviation of seeking the good the good that God has given us in his word. 
And that's, I think, foundational for us to understand every single deadly sin. With pride, the problem with pride, which one is it? Is that we are the ones who want to be at the center, not God. We are the ones who are important. We are the ones who deserve everything, right? We are uh, at the center, not God. That's the problem. So we don't, we don't want God to be the highest good. We want ourselves to be the highest good. That's the problem with pride. With envy, we are not content with the blessings that God has given us and others, and so we desire what other people have. And so uh, uh, we, break, we break the goodness of God in that way, the goodness that he has given us to pursue. With sloth is something similar. We don't pursue, and pay attention to that word, we don't pursue what God has told us to pursue, and when we fail to do that, we become slothful. That's the most foundational keys to understand sloth. All right? Do you have any questions so far? Make sense? Because I'm going to say things and you're going to go like, wait a minute, that's not laziness. Yes, it is. But, or wait a minute, that's not a slothfulness. Yes, it is. But remember, the problem with the sloth is that we fail to pursue that which God has told us we need to pursue. And when we fail to do that, then we are slothful. All right? Okay, so if you see your blueprints, uh, your um, handouts, excuse me, in uh, the um, bottom part of the um, grayer area, it says the first thing that we are going to do is pin down a proper understanding of slothfulness. Uh, we will see how it affects our lives from its inner core to, a, to the effects of it over everything. And then we will consider its remedy in hunger for righteousness. As we will see, slothfulness is more than what it appears in the first sight, and we are consumed by it in many ways. Um, and I thought consumed is a very proper way because slothfulness is something that, as you will see, it consumes us uh, instead of giving us more life. Anyhow, so let's understand what slothfulness is. As I said, if you read the title, Oh, Sloth and Hunger for Righteousness, and you thought that you don't suffer from slothfulness, because you are a hard-working man or woman who works more than 60 hours a week, then congratulations, because you have correctly qualified yourself as a slothful person. Yeah. Believe it or not, um, that's, that's where we are at, and I'm going to explain why. Uh, this may be puzzling, right? What? What is Christian saying? Is he lost his mind? No. Uh, but slothfulness is not laziness. Laziness, as I said, is one of the ramifications of it. But this lawfulness is a form of ingratitude in the face of the goodness of God. Uh, think about it. Uh, it takes for granted God's goodness and is unimpressed by it. Uh, perhaps the best example of it is people going to, you know, superficial example, people going to the gra uh, Great Canyon, the Grand Canyon, and going, is that it? Really? I'm unimpressed. Is that, is that what people say, cry for? Is this it? Unimpressed. Uh, you know, uh, oh, I woke up today. And instead of, praise the Lord, thank you for your mercy. You are a good God who has given me one more day. You go, ah, another day. And it's Monday. And I have to go to work. I wish it will be Friday already, right? 
um, unimpressed by God's mercies in your life. Uh, that's uh, bottom line, slothfulness. It's one of those manifestations in our lives. We are ungrateful. We are unimpressed by who God is, by what he has done. Um, preacher, open your Bible. And uh, the sermon is about Jesus Christ and how we can go and find salvation in him. And people goes, again? That's the message every single Sunday. Come on, let's go for something deep, deeper, better. I already know the gospel. No, you don't. We need it every single Sunday because we forget. And I, yeah, I know that already. Yeah, I've heard that already. When you, and, and I've heard from other better sermons already. Unimpressed. Really bad sermon. Right? Um, or the other side of it is uh, concentrating your energies upon everything that is meaningless. Uh, I don't know if I told you this, but we decided with Carolina to um, quit to Instagram and Facebook for a time. And our cell phone usage went from like four hours a week to 35 minutes a week. That's a lot. We were spending in our phones 30 minutes every day. Can you imagine that? Like, and I've heard that people go to the bathroom with their phones to scroll and lose, lose themselves in, in Facebook or in Instagram or in social media. Um, focusing your energies in something meaningless, right? Just something that goes by. Not, I'm not saying don't, you are not allowed to have social media. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying when you are entrapped by anything and that occupies the whole of your energies, then you are being slothful. Because you are not given a space in your life for the rest of things that God has given you and that you need to pay attention to. Think about what good does it make you if you go to the bathroom to watch 30 minutes of Reels on Instagram while your family is away uh, playing, uh, playing among themselves and you are missing that, right? Or what good does it make you if instead of resting and sleeping at a, at a, at a good time, 10 o'clock, 11 o'clock, I don't know, uh, you spend the whole of the evening until 3 a.m. watching videos on YouTube? You are not doing what you are supposed to do. Rest. If you don't rest, your body doesn't work properly. If your body doesn't work properly, you will get sick. If you will get sick because you didn't rest and you didn't feed yourself very well, then you are destroying your body. And you are being slothful. Um, that's, that's, that's slothfulness. Um, the things that are not important and overlooking what is good and always facing on what is opposing to God's kingdom. Um, a child is keeping a school because she wants to watch TV only. That's a real example, by the way. Because John was with me talking, uh, the Bible professor talking, teacher with me the, this week. And he was telling me, oh, I have a girl. She said that she will prefer to watch my classes, not for me to be here. And he goes like, that's nonsense. So what do you want? Do, do you prefer me to record myself and then watch it on the screen? She goes, yeah. And then, uh, um, so what would you want to be doing right now? 
I want to be in my house watching movies. That's what I want. You know, wasting your life, basically. Wasting being ungrateful, unimpressed by the fact that your parents are sacrificing everything so you can have a good education here at the school and uh, preferring to watch movies, as if movies will give you everything that we are giving you here at the school. Um, slothfulness, right? Uh, not that watching, again, not that watching movies is bad. Watch movies, that's good. Relax, enjoy them, analyze them. But don't consume your life with doing only that. Slothfulness says, I am forgiven by God, I don't need to do anything else. And simply goes through the motions. Or, I don't need to repent before my kids, God already knows I'm a sinner. Slothful. You don't want to talk to your kids when you sin against them or with other people. Why caring for my body? I have to die of something anyway. That was my grandma, by the way. Uh, she used to say, we, she had diabetes. And she, she was like, oh, I have a cough. <coughs> Segundo, my grandfather. Segundo. My grandfather used to come. Pass me the Coca-Cola. Like, what? You cannot drink Coca-Cola. Oh, no. Coke is so good for you. But you have diabetes. No, I have to die of anything, of something anyway. So I'm going to drink it. All right. Why caring for my body if I'm going to die anyway? Right. Um, everybody thinks of changing humanity. Nobody thinks of changing himself. Leo Tolstoy. Right. So we all, uh, who was it? I'm trying to remember. I heard a person say, um, everyone wants to transform the world, but no one wants to wash dishes at home. Um, right? Slothful. Um, let, or, let others complain that the world is wicked. My complaint is that it's wretched, for it lacks passion. That is Soren Kierkegaard. And I, I thought this is really good, uh, because everyone wants to complain, right? but no one has the passion and the energy to actually do something about it. Why? Because it's easier to leave it as it is. Is it not? I'm not going to do anything. It's her fault. Right? So it's easy to become, easier to become a victim and not to do something about it. Um, anyhow, sloth is indifference towards my God, my soul, my neighbors. Think about that. Sloth is indifference towards my God, towards my soul, and towards my neighbors. Um, winter is coming, right? Um, hopefully, soon, because it's hot. But anyhow, um, let's, let's think about how much it will snow. And then you have your elderly neighbor. He can't move. And uh, his driveway is full of snow. And then you go, oh, I'm going to clean my driveway. It's perfect. And then my neighbor, who cares? Like, I don't care. It's his problem. Slothful, right? Um, make sure you buy a house facing, what is it, south? Or I don't know. Because if you do that, you will not have to um, plow the snow in your driveway. The sun will take care of it. Um, I will wait until, oh, this is a, 
Such a familiar one. I will wait until Jesus comes to destroy this earth. In the meantime, I will recoil in my corner. Why should I be engaged in the world? Why should I do uh, things for God? He's going to destroy this earth anyway. <clears throat> no, he's not. You just have not read the Bible, clearly. Because the Bible doesn't say that he will destroy it. He will restore it. He will renew it. And if you think about it, that's how grace works. When you become a Christian, you suddenly don't become a new person, do you? In the sense that you are still yourself. You have new inclinations. Your heart has a new will. But, but you are not entirely new, are you? It's like uh, you are not like one of those um, twilight vampires that come to the, to the light and is shining. Like, that's the most ridiculous thing in the world. But you are not a new thing. You are still you. You still recognize yourself. Your skin doesn't change of color. Your eyes don't change of color. Uh, who you are is the same person still. And yet you have new passions, new desires. I want to obey God. That's how God's grace works. He restores things because his grace restores nature. He doesn't destroy things. He doesn't go to you and say, boom, killed, like with a, with a lightning. And then out of the ashes comes a new Christian. Like, yeah, like I'm new. I have wings and I can fly. That's not how it works. That's not what grace does. He restores things. And so when we see new heavens and new earth coming down to where? To earth, to this earth. Do you really think God is so stupid that he is going to destroy this earth with a crisis that we created? No, but I do think that we are responsible for what he has given to us. That's how scriptures work all the time. Um, and therefore, we are to be engaged in this earth as much as we can. Um, if, if, if all that you do is recoil, then you are wasting your life. Uh, I think Tim told me that his grandma told, her, told him every single day, Jesus is going to come next month. Are you sure you're a Christian? Jesus is going to come next month. Are you sure you're going to be a Christian? Can you believe what it is to live with that anxiety in your heart? Instead of, I'm going to be a good example to my grandchildren of Christian living, of piety, of, you know, of helping my neighbors, of discharging my vocation well. No, alarmism. Let's go to a corner. Let's dig a hole and let's wait for Jesus to come. That's weird. That's not Christian uh, belief. That is just pietism and sloth, slothful pietism. I deserve to be happy just because I exist. That's, that's um, uh, the new one, right? I exist. I deserve everything. I've been in this place for three months. I deserve a raising and increasing my salary. Why? Because it's me. I'm great. <laughs> really? Um, Mom, I need the new iPhone. Why? Because I, I need it. It's me. Your son. You need to give it to me. No, I'm not going to give you anything. Go work for it. No, you are unfair. This is the worst. 
working with my hands? How come? Um, sloth moves your eyes away from what is good. Think about, again, God's revelation, what he tells us that is good, and then what sloth does is move away your eyes from that. Um, Jesus says, take up your cross and follow me. Sloth says, don't take up your cross. Don't deny yourself. You deserve better. Go for it. Um, in that sense, sloth is very active, isn't it? Active in distracting you from what God and, and his word has said is good. Sloth is not rest because we need rest. Sloth is not, oh, uh, you, are, you are not slothful if you say, excuse me, no, no. You are slothful if you say, I just slept two hours last night. What were you doing? Working. That's the most slothful thing that you can do. Because instead of taking care of your body and resting, you are abusing your body. Um, um, Japanese culture has this thing in, in them. Uh, you need to work until you are dismaying yourself before the desk. If you are not passing out before your desk, you are lazy. That's not true. That's, you know, slothfulness. You are not occupying yourself in other things. Don't we, uh, don't we have other relationships too? Or, or is it like Christian comes to existence in his own world where he is by himself and there is no one else that he needs to care for? To care for? I live in my own planet, planet Christian. And, uh, and there is no other person there. And the only thing I need to care for is myself. That's not our reality, is it? We have parents, we have siblings, we have brothers and sisters in Christ, we have uh, um, work, we have uh, relationships to care for, we have uh, um, good examples to be to the community of Christ, right? Um, the elder cannot say, I serve for nothing in the church now. That's just lawful. Don't you have wisdom to share with the younger gener generations? And the young cannot say, I serve for nothing in the church. That's lawful. Don't you have elderly brothers and sisters to care for, to follow, to listen to? Right? Um, that's why Paul says, uh, be careful with the elders to Timothy. And to Titus, he says, may the elderly woman be an example to the younger woman. Uh, doesn't he say that? How? Teaching them to be submissive to their husbands, to listen to them, to be good examples of piety. No one is idle in the church. No one can be. We all have certain richness that God has given us in order that the body of Christ increases, enriches itself, and then we go together and walk together as brothers and sisters, helping each other. Martha? Oh, sorry. <laughs> um, that's how it works. So I'm sorry, but you cannot escape. Escapism is sloth. There is a lot that you and I can do, and there is a lot that we can contribute to our society, to our church, to our relationships. When we fail to do that, then we are slothful.
See, I told you we all suffer from it. You didn't believe me, but we all do. And we all fell into this one. Escape to get away. Sorry? Escape to to get away from what? That's what I said. We need rest. So we do need rest. We do need vacations. That's what I'm saying. When when all that you do is just work, or just uh, you focus yourself in one single thing all the time, but you don't rest, or you don't you know uh, have time to um, um, repair your body then you are falling into slothfulness. Yeah. Yeah. It is. Yeah, yeah. And sometimes it's a call to wisdom, is, is it not? Um, so think about um, New York. You're walking through New York, and there is this person who tells you, please help me, and it's a girl. Please help me. Uh, uh, someone, someone stole my phone, and I need a phone to call my parents because I've been robbed. And you go, oh, no, poor girl. So you hand her out your phone, and the next thing you know is that you have like five guys around you. Um, and then they are like, walk with us. We are friends, are we not? And you go... Yeah, we are. Um, let's go to the ATM. So it's a call to wisdom, too. Um, sadly, in, in those cases, you need to be more aware and more alert. Um, but it's not like that all the time. <coughs> Say that again, because I couldn't hear. I would, I would say so. Yeah, it's not, however, it's not something that you are going to change from today to tomorrow, right? Sanctification is the work of the Holy Spirit in which he moves us less and less from uh, be focused on ourselves only and then to be focused upon God and then from God towards others. And so we progress in the Christian life in that way. Uh, but the reason we are uh, talking in such a Starking contrasts is because I want you to understand what a sloth is. Make sense? Yeah. Yes, sir. In my opinion, it's possible, for example, the vacation thing. You can have two vacations that are identical, but one you could absolutely be slothful in that vacation. You need a break. Yeah. So, <clears throat> yeah, Faith, go ahead. Yeah, I 
No, no. It may be the result of slothfulness because you were just so focused on doing one thing that you burnt out. And now you need to repair yourself. But you need to go to repair yourself. Um, that's actually what happened to this pastor called, uh, well, it happens to a lot of pastors, but the most famous one that I just read about is uh, Zach Eswine. Uh, he's a really good preacher. Uh, and he was the pastor of one a big church, and then suddenly he burnt out. Like he couldn't talk, he couldn't walk for months because he just he had a mental breakdown. Um, so he had to go to uh, a monastery of all places to to rest and to repair himself. Why? Because he was being slothful. He was not resting when he was supposed to, he was all the time working. And if you go on vacations and you know it's vacations and instead of taking care of your family and enjoying with your family, you are like, when I go back to office, I need to take care of that paper that <clears throat> I was sent, right? And uh, don't forget that uh, Martinez in uh, uh, human uh, department, in the, uh, how is it? Yeah, relationships department, he's a jerk. Make sure that you need to talk to him. And, oh, man, I don't want to talk to him. And you all the time are in that mode on vacations, so you are wasting your time. You are not pursuing the good that God has given you. You are slothful then, uh, right? And it's really hard to do, again, because what is slothfulness? Think in those terms. It's moving you away from the goodness of God. And God has given us a balance in every single thing. He, ha he gave us rules to uh, be parents, to be uh, brothers and sisters. He uh, even gave us a day so we can rest. Slothfulness is being at church thinking what I'm going to do tomorrow at work because you are not doing what you are supposed to do, focusing yourself in worshiping God. Make sense? Um, slothfulness is maybe I have that later. Yeah. I'm going to reserve that. <laughs> um, as a result, then, um, oh, no, no, wait, wait, wait. Um, sloth, as I said, is rather one-sided uh, excess, excess that exhausts you. Sloth is busy covering the whole of our hearts with everything and anything else except Jesus. As a result, sloth is dispassionate about Jesus and God's blessings. Sloth displays itself in two ways, apathy or fanatism. Ap apathy doesn't care. Fanatism cares too much. In both cases, the issue is the same. The target is worthless. Think about apathy. Why should I uh, care uh, for uh, having a good diet in my body if, um, you know, if it's not worth it, if I'm going to die anyway? If I'm going to die, I better die with a piece of bacon in my throat. <laughs> Right? 
um, why eating veggies? I don't like them. Like a five-year-old, right? Um, and, uh, and that's apathy. Why, why care? Why doing stuff? It, it doesn't matter. It's worthless. But um, what was the other one? Uh, fanatism. It's similar. It's the same. Uh, you care so, so much that you don't listen to everyone else around you. You just go, this is the way it is. You are going to hell because you are the Democrat. That's, that's, that's the kind of fanatism that we are in right now. If you don't support Black Lives Matter, um, then you are against me. If you don't tell me that I, uh, I am okay by being LGBTQ+, XX, um, you know, whatever, uh, then you are against me and you hate me. Um, what? Don't I have to listen to you and know you and have the time and take the time to understand why this is so important to you? Uh, doesn't other people, even pagans, have sometimes insights in sciences, in arts, even in spiritual realities? And the most slothful thing that we can do is to say, um, I'm not going to listen to you because you know nothing. That's not true. God's common grace is there. They are still made after the image of God. They still reflect truth even though they stru uh, struggle to suppress it with all their hearts and with all their strength, like Romans 1, uh, 18 and following says. Right? So it's, it's lawful to say, I'm not going to listen to you. What is happening in our country today is the most slothful thing that can happen. Polarization. You don't have anything to say about the truth. Because all that I know is the truth, and I'm the only one who has the truth. Really? Um, that's, that's very prideful. That's very slothful. To not be willing to listen to the other person. To say to uh, uh, someone who has a different religion, belief system, you have nothing good in yourself. Well, that's denying God's goodness. Um, that's denying who he made us and how he made us. Because after all, his creation is good, and although the image of God is broken in ourselves, we still reflect it in some ways. Um, yeah, um, and we are going in a, a very polarizing direction, and the church cannot be polarized. They can't. We can't because the church belongs to Jesus Christ. Doesn't belong to America. Doesn't belong to a political party. Belongs to Jesus Christ. And if a Democrat walks in and he's pro-Democrat and whatever, we will listen to him because he will have something to say about the truth. We will take the truth for what it is. We will chew the meat, spit the bones. Yeah. Um, I will never read liberal commentators, said one, one person once. Really? Just the Orthodox have good things to say? No. Sometimes those guys are very insightful. Very insightful. One of the guys that we are using for, for uh, this um, class is a total liberal. Like, his church is LGBTQ+, plus, et cetera, uh, friendly, 
Uh, he doesn't believe in, in heaven or hell. He believes heaven and hell are here. And yet his book on the seven deadly sins is just so insightful, full with the ugliness of what we do with, with the sins that uh, are dwelling in our hearts. Shall we just reject that because he's a liberal? There is, I have not found one single book that deals with the sins in the uh, way that he does. So alive. So, you know, um, so good in describing what it does to us. Jessica. Yeah. So we learn to do the hard work that requires to recognize truth behind what uh, the world is telling us. And then we compare in order to recognize that we use the scriptures, right? And then we compare that with the scriptures. We appropriate that, but then we don't simply acquiesce to whatever the other side is saying. We say, yeah, that's true. You have a reason to say this, but you are mistaken in this other place because the scripture says this and this and that. For example, um, uh, a friend of mine has another friend, and uh, he used to be a he when I met him. Now he's a she, and he is transitioning towards a she. And, uh, and uh, I was asking her, my, my friend, why uh, he transitioned to a she. And she says, well, um, she's been traumatized. Uh, father raped him when he was a, a little one, and then uh, he doesn't feel like his psyche is the same as his body. So he needs to transition mm -hmm. to being a woman. So I said, okay, I understand. I understand why he wants to do that. See, I, I, I kind of putting myself in his uh, shoes. I understand why he wants to do that. I understand why he wants to escape his body. It was uh, violent, uh, violated and, uh, and suffered a lot of trauma. And I said, I, what I don't understand is why sex has to define who you are. And in that sense, I'm pushing back. I'm saying uh, sex is a small thing. It cannot define everything that you are because you are more than just sex. You are more than just gender. Uh, you're, you're, um, yeah, uh, male or female distinction. Um, so when we focus everything in one thing, then we are, we are actually becoming, uh, pouring our identity in one single thing. And I said, I don't think that's, that's the best way of seeing yourself. And so she goes, huh, yeah, I'd never thought about it. That makes sense, right? So I'm seeing the truth. I cannot deny that he's been uh, uh, raped and um, traumatized. That's sadly part of who he is now. But not because of that he can go and cover himself with these other things and say that's his identity. So then is when we push back. Is really this as big as it is? And how, how do you account for your reality now? You are transforming who you are in order to make yourself what you think you are. But what happens if you stop thinking in that way? Right? Because our, our minds change. Um, so that's one of the ways. Um, I can give you another example, uh, several other examples too, like with the uh, um, 
with the um, um, political division that we have in the country today is like, well, the Republicans, uh, they just want the best for our country. And the Democrats, they just want the worst. They are just, uh, how oh, a guy in Florida told me this, uh, the devil, the devil's Democrats or something like that, he told me. Um, is that correct? Uh, have we read everything that, I, that they are proposing in order to say, you know what, I can see that. And I, I don't need to agree with them in order to see that that is true. It doesn't mean that I'm going to support everything that he's saying, but at least I'm not falling in the trap of being polarized like everyone else is, right? You know what? It seems like I, I, I can understand why someone is passionate about this kind of issue, right? Um, or at least you can say, I don't agree with that, and here are the reasons why but at least you took the time to listen to the person, right? When you do that, we are actually building bridges, not separating ourselves from each other. That's what, that's what I'm trying to say. Does that make sense? Yeah? Dan? They have truth, we have truth, and it's totally different. We use different facts, we use different sound bites, and it's just really polarized. Yeah, it is polarized. Yeah. But even then, you cannot deny that they are seeking for truth. And then what grounds are uh, their, their system based on? Or how did, do they account for that? Um, or even what is truth? How do you come with a concept like that with, with what you are telling me, right? Um, so, so, for example, talking to a friend who is visiting us, uh, I was telling her, if all that there is is the fact that you came from a monkey and we just evolved, then there is no reason I should care for the weak because they are just monkeys and I can kill them right, if I'm the strongest. Think about the person in a wheelchair. Why should we care for them? There's no reason to care for them. So everyone in this world borrows from Christianity in order to defend what they think is right. What, even the Black uh, Lives Matter movement, uh, they have to say uh, our lives are worthy. And we can say, yes, they are, because you are made after the image of God. How are you justifying that from your point of view? Right? Tell me, because I want to understand. And then you can push back with truth. Did you have anything? I think, Beth?
Yep. And disconnecting from those hard conversations and the hard relationships, whether it's sitting on the couch and or having that hard conversation But yeah, that's it. Disconnection, lack of Yep. So I forgot to do this, but I'm supposed to repeat the questions to the microphone because then no one knows what is going on. Um, so I guess the um, what Beth is saying is that um, I forgot. Yeah, disconnection from hard work is is that is that how you put it? Uh, This disconnection from hard of comfortable things. Yeah, so yes, but remember um, that the standard is God's word. So at its most um, basic concept, core, sloth is moving away from the good things that God have, has given us or spoken to us in the scriptures and move us to other things that are not worth worthy because we are removing ourselves from God. So it's moving away from everything that God is. Yeah. And since he's good and goodness in himself, then it's moving away towards everything that is worthless. Yeah. Debbie? Yep. So again, that's a call to wisdom because if I start talking to you and you start um, getting upset, then the question is, is it really wise to talk to you right now? Or maybe first I need to pray for you for like, I don't know, a period of time until until God starts moving your heart and we can have a civil conversation, right? At some point or another, it gets sort of like you're banging your head and you're tired of hearing that they're not listening to how you hear mm -hmm. or you're, you know, they're just blind like you know. Yeah. No, I think that's that's a that's a hard one. Uh, um, when something is so polarized, do you avoid the conversation, right? No, I think the best thing we can do, Christians, is pray. You, we pray and pray and pray until God opens the door, and we can have a civil conversation. And He does that um, many times. He will allow us to to do that many many times. Yeah. Yeah, but see, it's never, it's never, it's never saying, you know what, um, I don't care anymore. It does. Yeah. So 
that means that we just need to pray. Yeah. Because we never... Just imagine what would happen if God will do that with us. We will never be here at church, right? And we have received so much grace that we need to extend that grace. But sometimes we can't. But when we can't, what do we do? We pray. So we are never idle. We pray. You pray. Yeah, you pray. Yeah. Uh, Ali. Yeah, that's okay. Yeah, that's great. Thank you, Ali. Um, let me see. Uh, slothfulness loves to repristinate. Um, let's go back to let's go back to the good old days, right? Let's go back to Calvin's Geneva. Those were the days. Um, did you know that they didn't have restrooms? <laughs> I don't know if those were the days. Um, it receives tradition without examination. American life is filled with slothfulness. We pursue everything, but we have nothing. Overflowed with information, yet retention levels are minimal. We have tons of food, but it's junk. And it's easy to get, right? Easy to prepare. Everything is pre-packed. Microwave, five seconds. Why? Because it's distracting you from the life that you are supposed to have according to scriptures. Anyhow. Uh, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Um, if slothfulness is a spiritual apathy, a stagnation, then hungering for righteousness is the spiritual remedy. Um, have you been hungry before? I wonder. Um, have you like gone, oh, let's go to, I don't know, uh, hunt. And, uh, oh, I forgot to bring like my, my meal. And then you go for three days. No food at all, just water. Then your stomach grumbles and there are noises that you haven't heard before. And even the taste of water wants to make you puke because there is nothing in your stomach. And if you have drunk water without eating, you know what I'm talking about, makes you puke. Um, and, and then you go, oh, I need, like you start dreaming, uh, right? While you're walking, like, ah, oh, I want to have like a big piece of a steak in the grill like i can imagine the juices and everything coming out oh i wish i'd be hum to do that you're hungry now um, um when you are hungry uh, when you perceive hunger there's nothing that can stop you from uh, quenching that hunger isn't it well that's what jesus is referring 
uh, too, in, in the context of the Sermon of the Mount. He says, uh, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Uh, and, and they knew what it is to be hungry for righteousness. The tax collector comes to your house. Uh, what's your salary? $100 a, uh, a month. Oh, cool. $90 is your tax. And you need 150 to live. And you go, but that's not enough for my family. I don't care. That's your tax. So now you have $10 to live the whole month while you know your family needs 150 And then uh, you don't have anyone to complain about because the Romans are in charge. So you are a prisoner. And then over that, you have these guys, the Pharisees, who are telling you that you are not good enough all the time. And you are reminded by them every single time that they walk by that there is no mercy for you because you are just poor and that's a, uh, that's a curse. Uh, you don't understand the law like they do. That's a curse as well. And then uh, you don't do everything that they do and you are double cursed because of that. Everything is horrible. Is God for us? Is God a God who gets concerned about us when we are being oppressed, when the tax collector comes and takes the taxes, when the Pharisees are telling me that I cannot go to heaven or enjoy the blessedness of God because I'm not good enough? And Jesus comes and says, uh, if you feel like you need God to rescue you, if you understand that there is nothing in your life that is good, if you want to be relieved by that, that's good news. Because you will receive righteousness. Because you will be satisfied. Uh, if you think you are the worst of the worst, the good news is you are right. And the second good news is there is forgiveness in Jesus Christ. And so, uh, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness is because when you are hungry, you are never inactive. You are never running away from the good things. You are actually chasing them. You hear the gospel and you understand, that's what my soul needs right now. Jesus, I need you. And then you come to him. But the person who is satisfied with who he is, nah, Jesus, nah, I'm good enough. Like I told you, the guy that I worked for when I was 13, said, if you die today, where do you go? Do you go to heaven or hell? And he goes, to heaven, easily. Like, how do you know? I've been such a good person. Like, he's not hungry, right? The, hung, the one who hungers for righteousness knows I'm a wretched. I don't deserve anything. And if I die, I know I deserve hell. But that hunger moves you to find uh, grace and mercy in Jesus Christ. And it's such a comfort that Jesus doesn't say, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness because they will work towards be satisfied. He says, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Do you understand who you are? Yes, I'm a wretched man. I'm the worst of the sinners, Paul says. And we can echo that, that sentiment too. And yet, God's grace is bigger. Jesus' sacrifice is bigger than anything that we have done. And he can forgive. If he forgave Paul, he will forgive us. If he forgives, if his grace is as big as he says he is, it is, then there is nothing, brothers and sisters, nothing that Jesus cannot forgive. Have you felt like really bad? Oh, we are really slothful. Yeah, 
Yeah. But guess what? God can forgive those things in Jesus Christ too. Where is lawful? Yes. But his mercy, his spirit is more power, powerful than our slothfulness. And he can transform our lives. Does that mean that you will never suffer of slothfulness again? No. Doesn't mean that. We will do it in many ways. But it means that God will start to remove that as we come to him again and again and again. If you say today, Father, please forgive me. I have been slothful. Do you know what God says in Jesus Christ? Stupid, go away. No, he doesn't say that. He says, I forgive you. You are my son. Stand up and keep walking again. And here is my spirit who is going to walk with you. That's what he is. Um, that's who he is. Good, merciful, forgiving, and strengthening you so you can walk the Christian life. Um, and uh, uh, the idea then of uh, be satisfied with righteousness is directly linked with this idea of the kingdom of God. For the Jew, he goes like, can we stop being crushed by the Romans? Can I be declared righteous before God? Because right now with these Pharisees, I cannot make it. And Jesus comes and says, yes, you can. You need to look to me. And we do. And if we do, we belong to him. And his kingdom has come. And his kingdom changes everything in our lives. We are not the same again. We cannot say, although we like to say it, uh, we cannot say, uh, I will never change. We cannot say that because we have the Holy Spirit. We can actually say, Lord willing, Father, please give me the strength. I don't want to be this person anymore. So help me. And then you come next week depressed because you didn't do it. That's okay. Because that's how it works. Then you come next week with hunger and thirst for righteousness because you know you have not been enough. And then God again stands with you, next to you, holds you up, and forgives you. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. It's an active desire. It's not like, eh, yeah, I mean, I failed. Who doesn't? Nobody's perfect, right? I did my best. It's not that. It's, God, I need your mercy now. Because without it, I cannot live. And I know it. So I'm wretched. Is Christian exa exaggerating? No, I'm not. We are wretched without Jesus Christ. And the more we recognize it, the more grace we get from, from God in order to live the Christian life. Um, hunger is satisfied in Jesus. He, Jesus, the whole Christ, not just a piece of, it, of him, is food for, all, for our souls. John, John 6, right? My flesh is true food, and my blood is true drink. And the Jews are scandalized. Oh, he's a cannibal. No, it's not. He's telling us that if we look at him, we will be satisfied, right? So do you have any questions? There are, there are two examples in the scriptures that I wanted to highlight before we close. Very quick. Um, uh, the, um, I don't know why Marvel says it should be parable of the talents, the parable of the tenants, and the parable of the sheep, the parable of the wedding. In all of them, in action, having the grown priorities is condemned. 
think about uh, the, um, the parable of the wedding. Father has prepared a wedding, and he invites people. And what do they do? No, I don't want to come. I have better stuff to do. And he goes, but it's my wedding. Like, nah, I don't care. I don't want to. I have, like, my uh, cattle to take care. So, okay, what does God do then? He opens the wedding to everyone. Go, call like the beggars, those lame, the ones who are not worthy, uh, bring them here and uh, so they can feast with me. That's the kingdom of God. We who were not worthy have come into his kingdom. Now think another example about laziness, and that is in the Old Testament, the Tower of Babel is the great example of slothfulness. Escapism at its best. Ground focus, leaving the earth to dwell on the heavens and become gods. Um, but God didn't say they should do that. He didn't say, come ascend to me. In fact, the movement in the Old Testament is God coming down to us. He wants to dwell with us where we are. Um, it's never... Let's go up. It's always God will come down. That's why the new heavens and the new earth come down to this earth. Lack of work to be image bearers of God um, and multiply and be faithful. They didn't do that. Fruitful, excuse me. And then the result, God comes down, visits them in judgment and scatters them. Gone. Never again to happen that. And then the other side of it is presented to us in Acts 2, the remedy. God comes and he inhabits the earth in the church. Do you remember what happens with the church in Acts 2? They are, you know, Jewish guys, uneducated. They barely spoke Aramaic. And then they go like, oh, we are hearing them in our own languages. The reversal of the Tower of Babel. God coming down to dwell among us. What we are going to do this morning, brothers and sisters, after we start the worship service, is that God is coming down to us to elevate us into his presence in, in the Holy Spirit. He doesn't want us to uh, run away from this world. He will bless, restore, uh, preserve this earth forever. And we will live here. And there is grace in him. If you have been slothful, like I have been many times, please know this, Jesus can forgive you. And he will. The point of this is not so you can feel so bad that you can do nothing about it. The point of this is when we know ourselves and how ugly our sin is, we can also have the remedy and the comfort of the gospel knowing that he will forgive us. So, yeah, slothful, true. But God is merciful and he will forgive us. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for... Um, just uh, teaching us more about ourselves and how ugly sin is. Please help us, Lord, um, to uh, recognize this, but also help us to move our eyes and our hearts towards you. We have sinned uh, more than once uh, of slothfulness, and yet we know, Lord, that if we come to you uh, with hunger for righteousness, that you will satisfy us. So please do that this morning, Lord. Satisfy us with uh, your goodness in Jesus Christ, and give us of your spirit once again. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.